this time on episode 295 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, Episode 12, The Sign, and Season 6, Episode 13, New Life, Weekly Marvel News, and your feedback. I'm Kier from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fan and podcast, and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Haley. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, August 4th, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Come on and join our live chat as we record. Happy National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, ladies. I love this holiday. Sounds yummy. It is indeed. I can't wait to actually cook some chocolate chip cookies. I don't even know if I have any, but I'll go to the store and get some and cook some. I'll have some delivered. Oh, Grubhub or something like that? I haven't figured it out yet. I'm working on it. All right. Michelle, are you going to indulge or are you just going to let this lay for this week? I don't have any chocolate chip cookies in my house right now, so I can't celebrate it this time. All right. Well, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel cinematic and comic book universes in general. Because of having issues with wearable tech. If you'd like to talk to us about your issues with wearable tech, you can find all of our contact information on our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail about your wearable tech at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can use your wearable tech to find our Facebook page, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can watch our YouTube videos at youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. And you can join our Discord server chat at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Lauren is out today. She wanted to be here, but she could not make it. And she should be back next week. So we wish her well in this week. And we will miss her this week. And with that, I think it's time to get on into the main event. And that is the season six finale of. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We have not one, but two episodes that we're going to go through, because even though it was aired in a two-hour block on Friday night, the 2nd of August, 2019, it's actually two separate episodes. So, Michelle, who was the creative team behind the first episode of the night, The Sign? That episode was directed by Nina Lopez-Corrado who has 19 directing credits starting in 2012, including one of The Mentalist, one of The Librarians, one of The Flash, one Runaways, 
one Once Upon a Time, one of The Gifted, six episodes of Supernatural, and five episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There were two writers for this episode. First is Nora Zuckerman, who has seven writing credits starting in 2006, including seven episodes of Desire, one Fringe, one Human Target, seven of Haven, four episodes of Suits, and six Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Lila Zuckerman has five writing credits starting in 2010, including one episode of Fringe, one Human Target, seven Haven, four Suits, and six episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What I really enjoyed with these two episodes is that what is just chock full of people that we have known throughout the years. So they're accomplished there in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. background. They've got the history and then we know they're just going to hit it out of the park when they do it. And the first episode was just like that with Nina, Nora and her sister, Lila. And that was great. Now, Haley, though. There is another episode with some more familiar names. Right. Some other old hands of the show, starting with the director, Kevin Tankeron. He has 27 directing credits starting in 2004, 18 episodes of Mortal Kombat Legacy, one of Supergirl, one of Iron Fist, two of Prison Break, two of Legends of Tomorrow, three of Arrow, three of The Flash, and 14 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And as we've mentioned before, Kevin Tankeron is the brother of Mo Tankeron, one of the showrunners. And then the writer for this episode was Brent Fletcher, who has eight writing credits starting in 2004. Those credits include one episode of Angel, one of Lost, one of Friday Night Lights, one of Spartacus Gods of the Arena, and eight of the regular Spartacus, and then 14 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, in the past, we've had Mo and Jed Whedon. I think it was the season finales that they've directed were written and this year we did not get that did you ladies have an issue with that or do you think this creative team really pulled it off i think given what they were given and possibly the late news of renewal meaning they had to set up a next season i think they did a really good job i think they did and are you talking about the renewal for season six or season seven just to clarify oh the renewal for season seven I think that changed some of the things, and I think that's why certain items didn't land very well, which we'll discuss. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, first of all, in the course of everything, we've discussed what came out at SDCC this year. We've discussed that they thought that season five was going to be it, and that's why they titled the last episode The End. And then they were approached by the network, probably Marvel slash Disney, and said, hey, we need a new season, season six, can you pull it together? They pulled that together. And then probably in the production, close to the latter part of season six, so the last three, four episodes, they probably, I don't know the timing exactly, but they probably said, hey, can you give us a season seven? So all of a sudden you got to change your end game. That is hard to do. And I'm sure if they had enlisted the help of Lauren, Haley, and Michelle, I think they would have landed it better. I'm just saying that right now. Always available. <laughs> I can be. Mo and Jed and Jeff Loeb and Gary Brown and whoever else is listening. These ladies are available to uh, create interesting creative stories for the show. Unfortunately, it's all over with now, but maybe the next, maybe Ghost Ride. There you go. Okay. I'm sure Lauren has a lot of ideas. <laughs> I'm sure she does. 
we'll hear about them in later podcasts. So, Michelle, where do you want to start with these two episodes? May, May, and oh yeah, May. Okay. What about May? From her just belief in love. This is, I thought it was a really interesting way of seeing how her character changed from being with Coulson as, you know, being in the relationship. We didn't get to really see their relationship last season because that's how it ended. This time we actually got to see the impact of that relationship, how she finally admits, you know, you brought me out of that cubicle. You gave me a team. You taught me how to realize that love can be pain, but it's worth it. And then, of course, the fight, the pose with the sword, the leaps and everything. And then, of course, that last scene of where we we think she's, you know, where she thinks she's dying. Even though I know she was coming back for the next season, I'm like crying because, you know, Daisy, I like the fact that Daisy tells her the truth that there was no Coulson left in Sarge. And then she's like, well, I'm going to see him soon. And I'm just like, I'm bawling. She just had so much emotion in these episodes and the action. And Ming-Na pulled it off brilliantly. And it grounded the episode. And it really tied those two very well. And I think without that, these episodes really would not be that good. Haley, what did you think of the May fight? It was good. I mean, honestly, I think we've seen better fights. but who knows what the production was on this one like maybe it was a little more rushed than some of the others i just think we've seen more interesting choreography in fights especially with ming Win. i was watching this going you know this is an interesting fight i like it there's way too many quick cuts in it you can clearly see that there was a stunt person yeah i did notice that the fight choreography was just not up to par the same par that it was in previous years and okay it could have been production money not flowing. It could have been, we need to wrap these up sooner rather than later. I will say, though, that the CGI, and we'll get back to the rest of the main in a second, the CGI in the episode, the limited times that we actually saw it was really good. So you got the Quinjet, you got Z1, you got uh, the actual monoliths being recreated and I think the CGI was worth it. It was not overdone. It was stated right there. We had the Stargates involved too. We'll get to that in a second. We have all these things going on. So the CGI was there, but yeah, the live action, it just, it was a little miss for me. Michelle, did you see that too? Or were you fine with what we got there? I understand from the choreography part of it, we know May is capable of a bit more. I think maybe it was scheduling. Maybe it was something. You have to remember she got stabbed before she got shoved through the portal. At first, I thought Sarge stabbed her in a way that it missed her vital organs. And he was hoping she would kill all those things. But I'm not really too sure now. It was more of the attitude that Ming-Na Wen was able to bring to it. And because she was bringing the attitude it's like it made the fight it made up for the lack of fight choreography but and then at the end you know where she stabs itself and daisy and mac finally kill sarge there were some really good moments back to the fights a little bit so you had the cavalry 
basically with the, I don't know what you want to call them, wraiths of the other dimension or the other planet where she basically took them all out. And that's the Ming-Na that we know it was all off screen, but she said she did it. And then she said to Azel later that they just disappeared. So maybe they can actually really be killed in that dimension. She was being active and she was being the person that we have all always known. Also, I wonder if she has any of that. What was it called from season one, season two, the rage that she had from touching the Asgardian staff. I wonder if she has some of that left in her, which makes her still into a superhero on her own right because of that. I mean, we've speculated before about how much she had long-term effects from that. And I think we've always come to, she had a lot of rage inside her to start with. So it's hard to tell where her rage ends and anything from that begins. Yeah, that's fair. So what else did you say from May, Michelle? The end when she thought she was dying in Daisy's arms, that scene, that made me cry. That was rough. It's a Whedon-based show, so you're thinking, this is really where they wanted to end the show, is season five, Colson dies, so what did we do to top that in season six? Oh yeah, we have May die. That would have been rough to leave the show like that. I thought they might do that, kill her, and then bring back some other version of Colson. I was hoping that we would get a Sarge Colson for season seven. I thought it was an interesting arc Sarge was having, especially from last week's episode where he called Daisy Sky. And it seems as though Sarge had the potential of becoming his own person. Yes, he had remnants of Colson in him, but he could become his own person. But then he just ends up being just the bad guy. Hmm. Just the, just the Colson bad guy. All right. I could run with that. I mean, Colson, that was a whole other arc that we got solved in these two episodes because we find out that Colson was indeed, or Sarge was indeed completely bad. And I don't think it's fair to say Sarge was completely bad. I think it was the creature from the other area. There was always something in him that he wasn't able to control. Right. And it just overtook him eventually. Yes. May's dying moment was special. And then, then what happened after that, and this is jumping right to the end, but I got to talk about it. It's the whole, we don't see Fitz. We only see Simmons. Simmons is, is acting really weird. What do you think happened to Simmons? Do you think this is normal Simmons? Or do you think something is changed with her? This is Simmons who she says we had time. So Enoch must have taken them somewhere where they spent a lot of time doing something, doing all of this new tech, upgrading the ship. It seems as though Fitz is somewhere that Simmons can't know, but they can talk. And Fitz is like in charge, I guess. But again, we're having time travel again. And we're also having the separation of Fitz and Simmons. It's like every year. It's like it's not a complete season of S.H.I.E.L.D. unless we have a separation of our science babies. And I'm also tired of that. I know. Just let them be happy and be together. Right. Well, I'm thinking 
since Enoch was saying, we're going to change the natural order of your lives, that what really happened is they became a little bit Chromicon. That's what I thought at first when we first saw Simmons, but now I'm not sure. So I watched it twice. I watched it Friday night, and then I watched it again this afternoon, and I was specifically honing in on Simmons' reaction. She is so detached. She is so logical. There's no emotion. It could be, I'll grant you this, it could be that she is just shocked. Her system is shocked from everything that has to happen and the fact that she's got to be separated for fits until they figure out what's going on with the Comic-Cons. But I don't know. It appears to me like she has physically been changed and I worry that Fitz has been physically changed as well. She had emotion, especially at the end when she was talking about bringing back Coulson as an LMD. So the statements were could have been construed as emotional, but I watched it the second time looking for any real emotion there. And she was pretty level on, on the playing field and she did not get too emotional. It shows she's a woman of science. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but I wouldn't put it beyond these creators for having changed Fitz and Simmons this way. Or maybe it's just Simmons being. I'm really fed up with all this crap because when Enoch tells Fitz and Simmons that they have to change their lives, they're like, oh, that again? And I imagine for them, it's gotten old, but they, they're sucking it up and they're doing it in order to save the world. And if I was them, I too would be a bit frustrated that I am separated from the love of my life again. And oh yeah, I have to save the world again. How many more times do we have to do this? Yeah. And talking about what's happened, we're obviously doing time travel at the very end. We're in, I don't know when, I'm thinking mid to late 30s, New York, America. The Empire State Building is the only skyscraper of note. And Daisy brings up Prohibition. I don't know if she was saying that flippantly or because prohibition that limits you to, I think, 1933 to 1939, I think. But when was Empire State Building completed? And then which was would have been around that time. And um, yeah, so they're pre if they're in the 30s, they're pre World War Two, which means pre shield or pre Haley Atwell. I, I know I was that's what I was hoping for was you know, mid to late 40s, because then a very excellent character comes into play. But we could have a younger version of that character. Because we don't, we don't know what she's been doing before the war. Right. Or we don't know how much they might bounce around through time next year. Or they could be in some weird future where alcohol's banned. Like, I'm not really too sure. There's climate change. Maybe New York got destroyed again by either climate change or some other... Thanos thing or whatever. Who knows? It's the day after tomorrow. Yeah. 2012. We could keep on going with these disasters. Could. So the entire first episode, the sign was basically uh, getting the entire team in peril, getting them to where Azel was creating the monoliths, getting Deke. Let's talk about Deke and his 
arguments with Nana and Bobo and the fact that he brought his corporation into S.H.I.E.L.D. Michelle, do you think that's okay? I really felt for him when he said, I did all this. I started my company because no one liked me. Everyone ignored me. All my friends are gone. My home is gone. My Nana decided to not tell me that Bobo had died. And so I couldn't share that burden. And that feeling, I've, I've sort of felt that feeling of being left out and overlooked. So I guess stealing tech and starting your own company as a way of, you know, lashing out and healing yourself, you know, to try to make yourself better. I, I mean, in a way, I can understand. It's interesting how he channeled his anger by stealing basically Bobo's ideas and making a bunch of money off of it. I always feel sorry for Deke because... He has had a lot of circumstances that are beyond his control, but other times he's such a tool that he makes it hard to feel sorry for him. So he's an interesting character. I think it'll be even more interesting to see him next year, this man from the future going even farther into the past and how he reacts to it versus how everybody else is reacting to it. Is he in the future or in the past or whatever, or did he stay real time? Well, he was on the jet. He was on the Zephyr eventually. He was on the Quinjet. He was in the temple. Yeah. When Simmons and stuff came. Right. So it's going to be one of those things. How was Simmons and Fitz changed? See, and then there's that argument. He said earlier that the multiverse theory of his is true because he's still around. So I guess he's still going to be some sort of time remnant roaming around. And then is Flint some sort of, I mean, Flint's alive. He had his abilities, so he's real. He's a different kind of anomaly, I think. Yeah, so is he also in the past, future, whatever, with them as well? Anyone that didn't get taken back, you know, in the moment that we saw at the end of this episode, they've got time travel. It's not like a one-off accident that happened the way it was in season five. They can just, at some point, go and grab people from other points in time if they need to. So we don't see him after Fitz and Simmons decide to go with Enoch's plan. He's not on the jet. I didn't see him in the jet. I didn't see him in the temple afterwards. I don't know if he's even around, and I don't know if he stayed real time, like I said. I think he might have stayed real time. That's a guess. I mean, they could do anything just like they did with this season where they started the season on Z1 with just a few people and that the rest had cycled back home somehow. So they could bring him on board and say he was installing some new tech or something like that along the way. But I think he would have been in the room for the reveal of the LMD Colson. I think that reveal needed to be a personal. So Mac and Daisy just being there, I think was right she's like how daisy just made the decision she's like boom hit the button activated the lmd yeah so that's something that sarge's presence did this season is really stir up everyone's emotions around colson at this point they probably would have had a chance to mourn him and accept that loss but having sarge there for the last whatever period of time is supposed to have passed means that they didn't get to grieve properly they haven't come to terms with Colson's death. They haven't been able to accept it. So now you're given a chance to bring him back like this. You jump at it in a way that they might not have before Sarge's return. 
Where'd they get his memories? Science. <laughs> they still had the framework because Fitz and Simmons were going to blow up the framework because it had the data of everyone who had been in the framework. So from that, because the Chromacons have Furry's black box. Mm -hmm. So they would have him from the, the framework. I thought that was all erased, though. No, because the uh, Enoch showed up before they did that. No, no, no. I, I thought all the data from the framework was erased back in season four. No, because at the beginning of season five, when Mac was director, or season six, sorry, uh, he had that hologram Coulson that he could reference. But that was from the toolbox. No, that was from the framework. I'm pretty sure it was from the toolbox. How would Coulson be in the toolbox? Is Furies. Yeah, the toolbox was only ever Furies information. Well, that was something that I didn't understand, but he had, Mac had the toolbox on his desk, and that's how he was able to reference, if you go back to those episodes, that's how he was referencing Coulson and getting Coulson. Coulson had reprogrammed the toolbox for Coulson versus Fury. That's how I took it anyway. So, again, where if that's true, where do Coulson's memories come from? I don't know. The framework. Yeah, I, I think it has to be the framework. I don't think that all got wiped. Because Enoch took out a few things. I think he took out the stuff that they needed. Oh, yeah, he was taking out some drives. But I thought, oh, okay. I'll run with that. I know. They really didn't stick the landing. I'm just going to admit it. Between that and all I'm going to say is strike zombies. Like, really? But, yeah. And are they slow-moving or fast-moving? Obviously, they're fast-moving. Not, like, real fast-moving, but able to move at the speed of humans. And they happen to know how to take apart chill tech. And for some reason, Izel did that instead of... I don't know. Okay, so if I'm Izel, I'm going to bring the people to me in order for my people to possess them. And then send my people with the awesome powers that they have to go kill S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Azel was never stupid, but she definitely knew a little bit more about Earth and S.H.I.E.L.D. than I think she probably should have. I kind of wish we'd had a full season to tease out some nuance in her character a little more. She was introduced kind of late in this season. Uh, or revealed as the villain late, at least. I don't know. I'd also like to know more about where she came from. Yeah, the realm that they just closed off with the Stargate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and how, like, if those monoliths are creations of their people, how did they get to Earth? What were their interactions with Earth in the past? Because there obviously are them because of the mythology that they pop up in. I, I want more. I just always want more. It doesn't necessarily make for good TV, but I want it. I think it goes back to the early Egyptians when some person from their realm came over and inhabited a body of an Egyptian boy and uh, created himself to be the god Ra and then made mm -hmm. all the people build these special temples and these round discs so that they were able to travel back and forth between realms 
And then uh, that didn't work out for him because a team just happened to be there from the future and, and kind of blew it up with a nuclear bomb. So they decided to redo everything over in the new world in the Mayan culture. So they recreated this another control system with three rocks versus some six, seven figures or whatever, and didn't have to worry about the whole disc going round and stuff like that. And uh, instead of an iris, they made a brick wall. So, yeah, I think that's what happened here. That is the best way you could have brought Stargate into this. That was seamless. Does that mean Samantha Carter will be showing up at some point? Because I'm all for having Agent Carter meet Samantha Carter. Yes, and of course, she's going to have to blow up a son, too. Oh, new headcanon. Samantha Carter is descended from Agent Carter and Captain America. Nicely done. I can, I, I'll, I can buy that. I'm good. Okay. And I don't have to worry about any Sharon Carter deal in that, too. I mean, Sharon Carter can exist <laughs> with Samantha Carter, basically. I think we're good there. Okay. All right. I'm glad we had this podcast. Michelle, is there anything else that you want to talk about in these two episodes? I'm glad they're getting a season in order to stick the landing. I mean, I wonder when they knew it was the last season. It seems like now maybe they didn't know. I don't know. But I'm looking forward to season seven. I hope they stick the landing. I was going to say, the way this season ended, it seems like they knew they were getting another season or they were fairly confident because the end of this season is not a solid ending for the show. But I'm really hoping next season is just rock star all the way. It wasn't a solid ending, but I think they had the structure for a solid ending and then they had to rapidly change some stuff. And I think they only changed some stuff in the last like couple of episodes. I think these two episodes are maybe the, the one before it. Although you could go back with the crack because you would have to wrap up the Chromicons and there were nowhere near being able to be wrapped up by the end of the season. So there would have to have been more of those intertwined. So when did uh, Chromicons exit the main storyline? Like at the beginning, was it episode, I don't know, six, seven, eight, something like that? Maybe. So whenever that was, I think when they transitioned from the Chromicons to full Azel, and then we only saw the Chromicons in like the post credit scenes, then, or the bumper at the end, whatever you want to call it for these shows, stay tuned for additional scenes from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that's when stuff started changing because it was solid up to that point in the storyline. And then all of a sudden you didn't get many Chromicons. So if they did indeed end it this season, you would have had to end the Chromicon storyline as well. One way or the other, either they don't get a homeland, they're all destroyed or they get another homeland or Enoch prevails, Enoch doesn't prevail. I think Enoch will prevail, or at least his factions will prevail at the end. It, there wasn't enough there to wrap that up. I think we would have gotten a little bit of that. So in retrospect, answering your question, which is kind of the same question that I asked at the beginning of the show, Michelle, I think that would be about the time that they would have said, okay, you're getting another season. Speculation on my part. I don't know. Michelle, does that math check out? I think so. All right. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Yo-Yo lived, so we have Mac and Yo-Yo. I believe I had predicted that they were going to retire and ride off into the sunset together. You did. I guess they're not going to get to do that. They got to work one more year. 
Well, not only that, but they tried to kill one of them off, which I have to, I have a little... They did that last season, too. I have a little beef with that, though, because you got the zombie shrikes coming in to the room, and she's able to kill three of them using her speed power and her gun, but yet, when a shrike is coming at her, moving at much less speed than a bullet, she can't stop it from going in her mouth? Even Yeah, even when it was like on her face, but not all the way in her mouth yet, I don't understand why she couldn't just run away from it. Yeah, or pull it out. Yeah. I don't think that made sense. It didn't make sense. If they wanted to kill her off at the end, I could see why they that was part of the storyline. And that would have been sad. Because she would have had her arms chopped off and then died before being fully reunited with her guy. Classic Wheaton, I guess. But, wow, that's tough to lose both May and Yo-Yo. which makes you really think of what we're going to get in season seven finale now too, if they were willing to take those steps. I have a little question. I think I posed it to you in the pre-show, but you think we're done with Piper or do you think we get to see her again? Because at the end of season five, Polly was gone, right? She went into hiding and we have never seen Polly or her mom again. In this case, except in the future when we did. No, but, when they came back and corrected everything, we didn't see him again. Oh, okay. And now you've got Flint, which you can debate on whether it's the real Flint or creation of Flint or whatever. So Flint's there. Piper flies him away. And then you've got Agent Diaz with the scientists from the startup and Floor 21. I don't think we're going to see any of these people again. Yeah, they introduced a lot of red shirts this year. They didn't kill all of them either. Agent Diaz, I think, was the only red shirt that didn't get killed. Yeah, but I was positive she was going to get killed. As soon as they gave her a name, I was like, oh, they gave her a name so they can kill a named character. Trevor died. Yep. So Diaz was named in the episode after she was introduced, although she was in the credits for the first episode. That's how I knew her name. And yeah, I thought for sure she was a goner. The poor agent that flew in Dr. Benson. That's another one. I don't think we're going to see Dr. Benson again. I think his storyline's over, especially since the monoliths are gone. So he's gone. So yeah, there's a lot of the people that are just out of the story for whatever reason. They're just not needed anymore. What do you think, in retrospect, do you think Dr. Benson's ending was fine? Him just getting dropped out of the plane like that? No. Would you like to see him back in S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or just leaving S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'm honestly not sure why they introduced his character at all. Like, it it seems like he was only there because our regular scientists were away at the beginning of the season, and they didn't want to bring Deke back in yet. Yeah, this wasn't a case like Star Trek The Next Generation where you had to switch with the doctors, or I guess another doctor switch over in Stargate SG-1 where you had that, or Stargate Atlantis where you had the director on a rotating basis, basically. It wasn't any of that because the characters were still there. They're still in existence in those cases. In this case, Fitz and Simmons were gone and you needed to fill in a science and you had no science academy. You had no shield academy. So you had nobody to draw to. So it would have made more sense if they were able to pull somebody in from like the movies, a character in from the movies or something like that, that was never going to be back in the movies for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I was fine with Dr. Ben, the, you know, the actor was fine with that, but it was 
a little bit rushed, especially in a 13 episode season. You know, we've also often said, you know, give me a season packed full of action, packed full of story that's moving every episode, but shorter versus a long season where you have these throwaway episodes. I guess we're getting a mix in between the two, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Michelle, how do you feel about the story, how it moved in the 13 episode season and these dangling plot threads versus a longer season where you have most of that tied up at the end? They had a really strong start. I think the first six episodes or so were really strong and interesting. For some reason, they introduced that Chromicon subplot and that subplot should have, when you do something like that, then you need like the full 2022 episodes. I think that's sort of where we had this really interesting plot with Sarge and what is Sarge and this itself character and the space travel and having Enoch was great and such, but that whole subplot, I think that's where it kind of drifted off. Haley, same question to you. How do you feel about the shortened season? But a uh, plot that wasn't really there versus a longer season with some episodes that are blah. I don't think the season length necessarily dictates that you're going to have some blah episodes. This in particular short season, it seemed like they were just treating it as the first half of a season, I think. Um, because I really think they knew they were getting two shortened seasons. They were going to have a six and a seven. That's just what this season feels like is the first half of a bigger story so you've got like a smaller big bad that you're going to defeat as part of your mid-season cliffhanger and you've laid the groundwork for the bigger arc that's going to carry you through the end of the season in the second half so that's kind of how i'm looking at this shortened season i've got one for you and it's cgi oriented so they leave the at the end of the second episode they're leaving the temple on z1 they're lifting off in the distance in the CGI, I see two red dots. And when I watched it the first time, I assumed that the destruction of the temple came from Z1, like it was firing off photon torpedoes. But on second watch, I think it was missiles that were actually aiming for Z1. When Z1 jumped, the missiles went through and destroyed the temple where the monoliths were. Did I get that right the second time around? Is that what actually happened on screen? No, I think wherever Fitz is, Fitz is the one who fired the thing because he also triggered wherever in time they went because they actually said, well, where did Fitz send us? And Simmons is like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. She didn't have that information yet. That's what she was saying, which was another kind of odd thing for her to say, but okay. I can see that Fitz would be firing the missiles i guess it just depends on what kind of control they have because at the point where they're leaving the temple i'm under the impression that they've already lost that the chromicons have now taken over the planet and that they were transforming it to chronica three but again that's kind of assumptions because there's nothing to base it off of she said that they already took the lighthouse and that they were interested in other parts of the earth and if you notice, they took a sample of the time no. monolith. Was it the time or is it create? I thought it was creation, the white one. No, it's the time. Okay. Because it's the white one. Time is the white one. Okay. And because I think they need that because they're doing time travel. And 
uh, that's why she says we need someone with all the shield history. We need to know where they would go, what they need. Okay. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking forward to season seven. It's better than not having a season seven, no matter what's happened at this point in that I'm just trusting the process at this point, because I do trust Mo and Jed. I trust them quite a bit because they've given us an incredible story since the pilot episode. We went back for our 200th episode. We rewatched the pilot. It kind of stood up. We talked about the rest of season one and the problems that they had there. But I think they've done a lot given what they it's it's a little bit better than the CW shows because they're not given toys and then told you can't play with them anymore. Like Suicide Squad on Arrow and then it's taken away and you're like, what? This is the best part of the whole thing. And now it's gone. So it's not like that. But they are limited in what they can use. And I think they've done a great job with that. So I'm up for season seven. Haley, are you up for season seven? I'm ready for it. Michelle, how about you? I want it now. Yeah. Can they start airing that next week? They could. It's all shot. They could. They could. I I think the CGI is the only thing holding them up from going, okay, we're going to do it right now. That and scheduling because they want to fill a hole next summer. I think it's next summer. Are we in agreement that we're talking about next summer or are we talking about a mid-season entry in like in January? I don't know. We just know it's going to be mid-season. What is a mid-season anymore? Sometimes it's January. Sometimes it's April. Who knows anymore? It's fair enough. Listener, if you happen to have any more information on that, that would be great. So Lauren, when she comes back, she'll obviously have some things to say and we might have her have a little aside on that because this is the big season six finale but other than that we're going to move on to another series last time i talked about doing legion next but because we have season three of runaways looming on us i think we're going to go ahead and take some time and talk about runaways season two episode two and three we're going to march ahead doing two episodes at a time to try to get a little bit more caught up that will be fun. Uh, the episode titles are Radio On and Double Zeros. I'm looking forward to watching them. Michelle, you have seen all of season two of Runaways, right? Yes. Haley, you have not seen season two of Runaways, right? No. Okay, I have not either. I don't think Lauren has. I have the season pass. We discussed that earlier of season two. So I'm ready to go, ready to watch it. And I hope our listeners are too. Listeners, go ahead. Give us your feedback on season two of Runaways. Because three of us have not seen the entire season, please keep it spoiler free for us as much as you can, but go ahead and spoil all you want of season two, episodes two and three, because we'll be talking about that. We've already done episode one, and that is what we have coming up. And right now, I'm really excited to talk about the news that Michelle has. All right, starting off, uh, we've got news of a crossover happening in the Marvel world. Yes, Marvel sets Runaways and Cloak and Dagger crossover episode. If you watch Cloak and Dagger, they've been uh, doing little hints that they're actually in the same world as Runaways. And it's almost like the people behind Cloak and Dagger have been sort of like wanting it and it's actually happening. The upcoming season three of Hulu superhero series Marvel's Runaways will include a crossover episode with the freeform series Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. The news comes after Hulu said Runaways will return with its 10-episode third season on December 13th. The season two finale of Cloak and Dagger aired earlier this year. 
Both series are currently available on Hulu, which is run by Freeform's parent, Disney. If you have a Disney Plus subscription this fall, do you think these shows are going to be on it, or do you have to have the separate Hulu subscription? I think it's going to be Hulu. I was going to say, who knows if Runaways is still going to be on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. So since Michelle and I podcast on Starling Tribune and Haley, you used to do like a girl on Supergirl. We, the three of us know the bane of the CW crossover events where they're great when they do it right. But like last year, we didn't have Legends of Tomorrow as part of the crossover on CW and they did the Legends of Tomorrow did okay during their solo episodes, but it just wasn't the same, right? So if you're going to have a joined universe and you do a crossover, I just caution Disney in that you're only talking about two shows right now, but I just caution them that they do it right and they keep the universes together, kind of like how Defenders was versus not having them together. That just brings all sorts of issues up like, okay, I don't like this one show. Why do I watch this one show? Because of that one episode crossover a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm out if that's the case. And I'm talking specifically about the CW universe. I'm fine with how Netflix did the Defenders. I'm fine with this, but I do have reservations when you start talking about crossovers, probably because we got a little bit burned with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I say a little bit because we had Fury once we had Hill once and that was it. Okay, so are they part of the MCU or not? I don't know. So I just hope that it's more than a one-time deal that they keep cross-referencing each other somehow, but that turns into a production nightmare. I don't know. That's a lot of cautionary tales here. I'm, I haven't watched Cloak and Dagger yet, but I'm all in for crossovers because I'm all in for world building. They did it on Stargate, SG-1, and Atlantis. They've done it on other shows, uh, Star Trek in the past. So I'm all for it. It just caution them that if you're going to do it, do it right. Am I out of line, ladies? No, you're not. Cloak and Dagger has even hinted that Luke Cage is in there in New York, in the universe. Really? Yeah. The Disney or the Netflix Luke Cage? Yeah. Wow. They've gotten a lot. They cloak the people who do Cloak and Dagger have gotten away with dropping Easter eggs, referencing Runaways and like the Netflix shows. So it's very interesting what they've gotten away with. It's like Cloak and Dagger is like off in this little corner and they're just like, hey, um, we're just going to connect ourselves to all this type of stuff. And it's like no one like proofread anything and they've just gotten away with it. Uh, well, who's in charge of all the Marvel TV content? Is it Jeff Loeb? Is he the one that's in charge of all of it? I don't know. I think he is. And if he is, I know he wants to stretch those boundaries, but I don't know if he was given the green light to him. Anyway, I think it'll be interesting. That's it for the news. And for feedback, we start with a tweet from at Adana Girl. Yeah, she said about the finale, I really need our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past to encounter Howard Stark. Watching him try and charm Melinda, Yo-Yo, Daisy, and Gemma would be priceless. <laughs> yeah, especially that era, Howard Stark. Because the era Howard Stark that we got in the MCU He's a little bit more of a dick. 
So <laughs> I like the Captain America, the first Avenger style Howard Stark a little bit better there. I mean, it's the same character played slightly different. I just like it a little bit better. Well, and just tempered a little bit by the passage of time. Also, like even on his best behavior, he's not going to come across well to a modern woman. True. Either of them. True. Next up, we've got a Discord message from Waffles. Yeah, Waffles said about the season finale, my thoughts, I have no idea what I watched, and I love it. Part of the reason why you might have no idea what you watch, Waffles, is was we were talking about all episode, there was plot issues left, right, backwards. Part of what you're talking about, it was a lot packed into two hours, and part of it is just because, well, it's Wheaton's, and they like to confuse us all. I think that's a fair assessment of what we watched. We do appreciate all the feedback that we get from everybody on Twitter, on Discord, and on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, so these ladies will have to answer you over there. But we do appreciate everything, and we will be looking for your feedback at all those places as we watch Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, and Legion leading up to Season 7 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next year. In the meantime, what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to use time travel to get this one out again? Marty, it's your kids! Your kids! With that, thank you everybody for listening and watching this show. I'm not sure what the future of the video side of things is going to be on this podcast. We're going to have to talk about it internally, see what we want to do there, but keep on listening and watching in the future. We'll let you know what's going on. So thank you very much for subscribing to the YouTube. Thank you very much for subscribing to the podcast. Numbers dramatically went up this season so thank you everybody for listening and if you're listening this far but just give us a line you know give us a tweet send us an email at stargatepioneer at guineageek.com and we'll call your name out on the show because we really appreciate your subscription and you listening thank you to everyone that made it through another season of agents of shield with us the little show that started this little podcast and spread us out into the marvel universe in general and we look forward to doing one more season with everybody. Yes, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, and even when you listen to us, when we're, yes, we're behind on some of the other shows like Runaways and such, but we appreciate it when you listen to those episodes as well. We do indeed. And until next time, when we talk about Runaways, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Haley. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys all next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2019.